The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in everybody to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out later on in the week on one of your favorite places to listen to podcasts, it's always a pleasure to sit here and talk sports with you all as well. Kelsey will be joining me here shortly as well. We do have a fun show to get into. we got a lot to talk about. Before we do jump into that, we do want to also go ahead and mention and say that we are wishing for the best for those involved at the Kansas City Parade. From what I understand, one person has died and 20 people have been injured, hoping for the best for them and their family, hoping they can have a swift and fast recovery. A very tragic incident that happened there as well, too. My heart goes out to the people of Kansas City. And, of course, as well, I hope the people that these, I hope these shooters are brought into custody and filleted in public by Ramsey Bolton, but wishing the best for the people involved. And hopefully there are no more, there are no, no more deaths associated with that. It is a very senseless act of violence that hopefully, hopefully just even for a little bit, we could talk about sports and not have to worry so much about the negative. We are going to do our best here today to try and shut, talk a little bit more about the positive things in sports. We do want to take a moment to express our condolences to the people involved in that one. We will be talking about the Super Bowl. We got the NBA All Star All Star break coming up as well, so we're gonna do some awards of that as well. So we do got a good amount to get into, and that we're just gonna go and go right into the tip off. The tip off, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek. Use code Bellow Sports for twenty dollars off your first set of tickets for any concert, sporting event, anything you might want to get into. And it's kind of like Beetlejuice; you say his name once or twice, and he goes ahead and joins us. Kelsey, glad to have you join me as well too. We're going right into it. We're talking about the Super Bowl as well, too. We're going to focus on the game, and we're going to focus exclusively on the game here so far today, just kind of recapping the Super Bowl. And I'm going to go ahead and pose the question to you first off. We're going to go right into it, then kind of circle our way back to getting into the nitty-gritty. Was this good Chiefs, or was this bad 49ers? Uh, you know, I'd love to have a good answer for you, right? Uh, it yes. feels like a little, a little bit of both on this one. It feels like it could have been – bad 49ers i mean what happened in overtime if the reports are to be to be believed here uh should never happen ever in a professional game but if like i don't know it should never happen in a professional game for the niners for the chiefs though i yeah i mean <laughs> they turned it on at the right time they got it going they knew what they were doing at the very end of the game but i mean realistically i think this is bad niners i think you got to just focus on the over overtime uh, yeah, you couldn't stop Patty. That's fine. But but really, like we're talking about here, a situation where the Niners should not have taken the ball first in overtime, especially given the, the rule set. The one thing I didn't know about the rule set that I got corrected on was the fact that it's not just one quarter. I thought it was one quarter, and I was like, the Chiefs aren't going to score in time. Oh, no, mm-hmm. what's happening here? Turns out they would have just had another quarter. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, <sighs> look, they're the pros. These They get press releases on this or league releases on this every single week. Like, you got to know. You got to know this is a thing. You can't – this is from the coaching staff to the players. I mean, it's just a simple search on social media would have given you the answer here. Any any cover – if you've watched a single playoff game this year, they've talked about the changes to the rule set, not just one thing. So, yeah, I'm going to go – I'm going to go bad Niners. That's my pick here. I'm, not, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it's bad Niners at the end of the day. Good Niners through most of the game, but bad Niners at the end of the game. It's – Absolutely crazy. And I have a full understanding of the rules. Meanwhile, you're the Chiefs saying they basically went over every single week of the year and then twice during the Super Bowl weeks. Yeah, the bye week in between. I mean, 
do you have to know every single square intricacy? Well, you probably should, but like you should know that at that point, hey, we this is how it works. We're gonna get the ball regardless. So maybe we should and then Kyle's saying we wanted the ball in his justification of we wanted to score third, like basically basically conceded at that point that the that the Chiefs were gonna score, which okay, fair in theory, like, but at the same time, like you want to I, I agree with everyone else. You want to know what you're gonna get. You don't want to go get three and then realize, oh shoot, what and now you're giving Patrick four downs every single at minimum of four downs, which we all know how hard he is to deal with the three downs. Now you're guaranteeing four, where he's gonna do that random goofy looking scramble where no one wants to tackle him, and suddenly he runs away from people who have a perfect square upon him, but they don't want to get a penalty. And uh, he might just be faster than he looks to, but at the same time, the amount of it I'm, I'm that's a that's a sports science subject for another day. I want to see. I don't I do agree there was a lot of bad 49ers, especially that that incident too. Yeah. And I do think looking at the game plan too, I, I will say I'm gonna go with good Chiefs here in a second, but I want to add on to I'm gonna pile on first before we can take a positive spin on it. Did it feel like they wanted to get Debo the ball, but then when he couldn't get open, they kind of just I don't want to say fell apart, but they didn't adjust to like I feel like this had a Brandon Ayuk type of game written on it as well. Cause Debo Samuel's awesome. He's a playmaker. There's no this is not a shade thing, but as far as like just a natural, like a more tr- traditional receiver who gets off of a incredibly good man coverage of the Chiefs play, that's where Brandon IU comes in. And it seemed like they try to scheme up Debo, who could not get away from Trent McDuffie and Legereus Need because his game's a little more yak. It's just getting the ball in his hands in any way, shape, or form. He's not the traditional perfect rounded angle cuts, et cetera. Like, and won't get into the intricacies, but he's not a tactician necessarily with the routes where Brandon Ayuk's a lot more clean and fluid throughout. And we saw him. Those play action BS dig routes that he's open on every single play, especially when I go against him in fantasy and he goes for a 70 yard touchdown. Just feel like they didn't have those with him. It looks like they wanted to get Debo the ball. Understandably so. That's Debo freaking Samuel. I get that. But they didn't have the plan B to IU. I mean, three catches for a guy that was second team all pro, something like that, or a Pro Bowl or something. Some ridiculous accolade and was absolutely awesome. So that's how I'll pile onto the bad Niners is it felt like they didn't utilize what they had against a defense you know is going to say, Good luck, everybody else. These two are going to clamp on the outside. Good luck. Diana. Yeah, there's, there's multiple parts of this. Um, I'll just start with the Brandon Ayuk comment. Absolutely felt like Brandon Ayuk should have had himself a game. More importantly, George Kittle should have had himself a game. I, there is not a single reason that the Chiefs, who struggle against tight ends, and you have the all-pro tight end this year, doesn't get the ball. You saw what Kyle Juszczyk could do out of the backfield. Between Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle, the Chiefs don't have somebody to man up against both of them. I would have honestly built my my stack around Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk. That's that's what I mean. Don't get me wrong. Juwan Jennings, he was a bellout. Like, the 100%. He's had a great year. Third third and Juwan, as they, they like to call it in San Francisco, has been a thing. I wish he would have won the MVP if the Niners could have held on here. Um, but, but I will say, like, he wasn't the first option. He wasn't the second option. He wasn't even the third option in most plays. But that just tells you what was so off with this offense. It just never felt like it got on 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 schedule. It felt like it was always a play behind. Like it was, and especially you really would happen if like they're trying to get Debo open. They're trying to get that going. The only time they really sustained a good drive was if it's Christian McCaffrey handling it for most of the drive. And then as soon as they took it out of his hand to try to go to Debo, the drive shut down. Exactly. And it's a it's a tough ask to get open on those corners, which is why I'm going to shift it to good Chiefs, too, because that defense did it again. They've been the best defense, if not all year, all playoffs for sure. And a top three defense all year because Trent McDuffie and Legereus needs are clamps on the outside. They are absolute 
There are balls and chain. Good luck, everybody else. You're not escaping here. Justin Reed is still a very good safety, not just a not just a backup kicker. He's also a fantastic safety. Still a backup kicker, though. A fantastic one. Nick Could be Bolt. better than no starting kickers. Honestly, if that if it came down to a game winning field goal, I might trust him over mo- more than half of the kickers as well. But that's ne- neither here nor there. But yeah, Justin Reed. You obviously, of course, have Nick Bolton in the middle, playmaker Drew Tranquil, George Karloftis, and of course Stone Cold Chris Jones in the middle. Two times they had once they had Brandon Ayuk, once they had Debo in the end zone. Both times I think later in the game too. But before Brock could even get square up to throw the ball, there is six foot seven Chris Jones in his face, and I don't care if you're Tom Brady or Brock Purdy throwing a a forty yard dot is difficult with Chris Jones in your face. We saw he did it against Josh Allen too. This is where the defensive player of the year when people talk TJ Watt, Miles Garrett comes into play. All right, Chris Jones' stat line looks pretty pretty pedestrian, like four tackles and an assist, including an assist. He impact, he made the arguably the biggest – him and Trent McDuffie made arguably two of the biggest plays in that game that took points off the board for the 49ers. They, that was absolutely incredible. Then, of course, the, the Chiefs offense – I think Loftus in there. Or was it – no, Carl uh, Loftus recovered it. Who who knocked out the ball? Uh, That was – who was that actually off the top of my head? I think that was Leo Chanel, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Leo Chanel. He uh, yeah. talked about another Chiefs – Young linebacker making a play in a Super Bowl. Go I think he's going to block the field. The PAT too, which completely changed the game. If they if they hit that PAT, who knows what we're talking about right now? It definitely doesn't go to overtime because there's no four point play. This is not yeah. the NBA, so that's definitely not going overtime, which means we could have got to sleep at a normal time. But that anyway, I will also add on to that. Their offense, it, it's inevitable at this point. The point you have when you have the opportunity, you have to convert a lot of those drives that they miss out on because you keep giving them opportunities. Andy Reid will adjust. Travis had one catch for one yard in the first half, finished with like nine for 90. Like Marquez Valdez-Scantling scores a touchdown. Mark Mikol Hardman, 70 yards and a touchdown or something like that, too, including that bomb play that kind of got them in field goal range that had no business being complete, but it's such a ridiculous throw. Tajon Gibson's like, no way, no way. Oh, wow. And and the worst part about Mikol Hardman's night, he doesn't remember the touchdown. Just blacks out and it's like, oh yeah. I caught the ball and I blacked out. And next thing I knew, Patty was running at me. And I was just like, oh, I guess I can celebrate now. At least he didn't black out when the ball was coming there. Can you imagine blacking out and then the ball's on the ground? Like that'd be even worse. But uh so oh. I'm gonna take the angle of good Chiefs on top of the Niners have plenty of bad to go with it. The Chiefs they just find they always just weirdly find a way, and that defense still they still could put the clamps when it mattered as well. And Chris Joe, I Chris Jones said he wants to stay there for a long time. They but they got to find a way to pay him a lot of money. Even his agents like, all right, cut cut him off from the beer now. That like that's enough beer for Chris Jones. But they got to that's a that's a difference maker on the defensive line. They got to find a way to keep him. And I'm very curious to see what they're going to do this offseason. Because where do you go from here? You're going for the three peat. That's another dynasty in the works. That hopefully for the rest of the NFL, they could be like the Patriots last dynasty and take a decade off between between runs. Just give everyone give everyone else a chance here now as well. But good cheese, bad Niners, a little bit on both ends of it as well, but I think we are kind of in agreement. Better game overall, even though the teams weren't quite what we were looking for. It was a, honestly a great game nonetheless as well. But. Yeah. Uh, how many, how many overtime games have we had? Or uh, overtime Super Bowls? And, uh, wait, two, right. Yeah. So this, that just goes to tell you, anytime a game goes to, to an overtime, I don't care what the scoreline is. That's a fun game. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, I'm like offense. I didn't like the defensives. There was offense between the 20s. There was a lot of offense between the 20s. Uh, you know what there wasn't, though? Offense in the red zone, which is one of my favorite times to talk about defense, and that's the ability to stand up, the ability I – mean, we're not even talking red zone. It's more like that gold zone, that 35-in type of range. Field goal range, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what is what should be a makeable field goal for most teams? Um, 
but yeah, I, I mean, like that game between between that range, it was defensive nightmares for the offense. Like they're just if you don't if you, you honestly you didn't pull out a trick play, you probably didn't score, uh, or, or a bootleg or some kind of you know eye candy that offsets everything. So it was a fun game top to bottom. I mean, the amount of turnovers we watched in this game were insane. And when we talked about this going into the game, I had offense versus defense and really how, how well could the offense were. I should have just said defense versus defense at this point in time, because which defense was going to be the one to make the mistake to not, to, to not be able to shut down the other team. And that's kind of, kind of what happened. You, you, you talked about Michael Hardman and that bomb play. I feel bad for Gibson. I mean, to be honest, most, most, Quarterbacks don't make that throw. Uh, the difference being you're playing at the time two-time Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have. I, like, and it's a tough play to lose out on, but you got to be honest. You got to got to be honest in saying that that was just insane. And then on top of that, Patty doing the, the the best thing that you could do if you're Patty, and that's hey, I have all these weapons. They're manning up. Their backs are to me. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go get my twenty my 30, my 40 yards on a run, and, and I'm going to get down. Or in the one time he didn't get down, he still got 35 yards, and then just like, kind of like fell over on top of the guy trying to tackle him. So, yeah, I think this is a fun game top to bottom. Brock Purdy, I mean, he, yes, he is still a game manager in my eyes. And again, if you haven't ta- seen us talking about it on the show, I will say it one more time. Game manager is not bad. A game manager will not lose you the game. That is the point of a game manager. They will make the right plays at the right times. And I don't ever feel like Brock Purdy pressed in that game. It was never, like, realistically, was never his issue that was causing the the Niners to not score. It was a fumble. by If if anybody had CMC with a fumble, by the way, uh, buy me a lotto ticket (laughs) because that was not on my cards. So, yeah, I mean, like, that offense was fantastic. Brock Purdy played well. It was... Top to bottom, both teams played well. The mistakes that were made, the turnovers that were made, you can't honestly put the blame on one person or the other. A lot of it was really just great defense in a lot of ways. I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. So it was a lot of fun top to bottom. And it's, look, I'm still waiting on answers about the Coyotes, honestly. like That's what I took away from the Super Bowl weekend. We need some answers on the Coyotes already. And just for those who don't know, when we say game manager, it means like a point guard, like a Chris Paul type of point guard. It's not a bad thing. It just means you don't, Go out there for basketball terms. You don't go out there and score 40. You distribute with your like 17 and 8 and 5 or something like that. You're Chris Paul, Jason Kidd, that sort of thing, not Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. That's pretty much how we describe it. Rajon Rondo, for example. Let me, like yeah, I was say, let me just clarify a little more. Game manager is not Cam Newton's version of a game manager. Hmm. It's not. That's that's not what I mean by game. Game manager is a Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got a little extra sauce in the tank, but it's the point is still his base game is Tom Brady which is like I'm talking to early Tom Brady, not late Tom Brady. The guy who's going to make all the reads, make the right progression, make it quick, get the ball out of his hands, and let his playmakers make plays, which on a team like the Niners, that's what you need. It, the fact that a game manager has gotten so much heat from it, it just astounds me. And no, I'm not saying a game manager can't go out and win a game. They can, they're can; they completely capable of going out and winning a game, but the big thing is their innate nature is to not lose you the game. They're not going to make the big mistake. And when we've seen Brock Purdy press, when we've seen him try to be that playmaking quarterback, he throws three picks and a half. Did they win the game? Yeah, because he turned back into game manager Brock Purdy. And that's not a problem. I'm not mad if I'm anybody with the 49ers. I'm Brock Purdy. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm a game manager. That's great for me because guess what? Game managers get paid. 
Board men get paid. Game managers get paid. End of story. You just gotta you just gotta make a few plays here and there. You don't have to make plays every down. You can't. People call Jimmy Garoppolo the game manager. I think that also kind of breaks down. He was not quite a game manager. He was just he was kind of the one that got carried for the ride when you look at it as well. Alex Smith they labeled as a game manager when I think he was kind of in that tweener zone, like especially lit. The problem was Patrick Mahomes followed him. That's what, so that kind of downplays a lot of what he did. It's like people forget how good he was, how good that Chiefs team was with him because. Who will be talk about a second? Some people are saying is the goat it was right after him, which by the way, no, not yet. He's 25, 28. Let's chill with that. On that one. Let's let like I said, let's reel that one in. Like he like if he continued at his current pace for 10 more years, he'd be at about where Tom Brady is right now. So like that's reel it in just a bit with the goat talk. But anyway, I will I will say like the game manager gets a bad rap, but there's like game manager, then there's can't really win you a game, but can't lose you a game. I think that's where people kind of get. In the in the twin, the game manager can win you a game. Russell Wilson with the Seahawks was a game manager until the Legion of Boom di- Boom disappeared and he turned into screw a DK and Tyler Lockett out there somewhere. Russell Wilson. So I think that's kind of where people get a lot of it lost. But that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Yeah. But we mentioned Patty as well too. Third times a charm, three Super Bowl MVPs now. I kind of alluded to it jokingly as well too. And uh, some people saying he's already the greatest quarterback. The rings don't matter. I'm gonna say no yet. Let's reel that in a little bit. Best in the game right now, yes. Best R2 a career ever. Pretty safe to say. I mean, like, the only, across sports, the only things that I could think of are Wayne Gretzky and Tim Duncan to start their career, basically, as far as that sort of thing. When you look at accolades and rings Steve and all that. Young, was actually Steve mm-hmm. Young in the NFL? Well, the start of his career, he didn't do he didn't, didn't do a whole lot for, like, those first six years. I mean, I'm thinking, like, when he actually took over as starter-wise, not necessarily start of career. He did have the one ring in this MVP. So I'm looking at Patty with three rings, three MVP. And then one of three guys that 50 and 5,000 in a season, he did that in his first season. So maybe Tim Duncan, because we have to pull across other sports to compare first five, six years of a career. My trajectory is all there, but I'm going to say, let's reel it in guys like that. Tom Brady still terrorized everybody for two long decades. Most of our, some of our lives, he's been in the NFL longer than he has not been in the NFL in his life. Still after being retired and terrorized teams. So let's reel it in with the end. With the greatest of all time talk, but let, we can clearly concede none of his peers right now are competing with him. I think we can kind of say that right now. I mean, Lamar, I guess, but that's been one-sided for the most part, too. So Lamar's the closest one right now. You can make a case. Well, Aaron Rodgers is still active, so I retract that. But you know what I'm getting at. But yeah. there's still there's still a ways to go for everybody else. He's still out in front, but let's, let's take it easy with chasing those ghosts in Chicago, as a certain basketball player once said, and now we'll just change it to the NFL. But in my opinion, I – Probably his best Super Bowl performance, too, honestly. It was a little slow, but it, he had the one pick, which was just kind of screw it, he out there somewhere. But it wasn't really bad to play throughout. It was just slow. Then when they needed it, kicks in an overdrive, the goofy-ass scramble for like 30 yards you mentioned. The the plays at the line, the play, finding Travis Kelsey, finding Nico Hardman, finding just finding guys. He turned into that game manager with a little extra sauce. He was just wheeling and dealing, distributing as a point guard. Then he threw a little spice on there when they needed the Patrick Mahomes spice, which is what makes him built different, for lack of better words. So I'll say it's his best Super Bowl performance. So I'll give him that for sure. Yeah. I don't know if it was his best performance. I think it was the most deadly performance of his Super Bowl career. And I think it's well-deserving of a third MVP. I, I, I honestly will – I can stand by that without with comfort. I mean, what – he was unstoppable. I, there's no better way to put it that – Middle way through the third quarter until the end of the game. As soon as that fumble on the punt return, as soon as it hit that guy's foot, it was game over. And you could see it. Like it was like, it was witnessable. Like 
you know, remember you remember the old LeBron catch line of witness? We witnessed. We were there. We got to watch Patty just <laughs> dominate a team. Um, Adidas used to have an impossible as nothing as that was Patty. Uh, it was, I mean, as an Adidas athlete, had to, had to relate it somehow. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it was impressive. I, I honestly don't have words for how impressive it was at the end of the game. And the reason I don't think it's his best performance just because of the beginning of the game, it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. It felt like he was pressing, especially that second quarter. I, I think that second quarter, up until the last two minutes of the quarter, he was pressing. Um, it just it felt like he was in a rush in the early part of the game. And then at the end of the game, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm built different. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I may look like a Muppet in some time, at some points in time. But you know what? I got this. And uh, yeah, I, I mean... Maybe not his best, but I don't know if I can argue if somebody's going to say it's his best. I, I just like realistically, it just yeah, I, I can't I can't say no. Um, again, I'm still mad Jawan Jennings didn't get MVP. I still losing team deserves it. Dude threw a touchdown and caught a touchdown. Like I'm sorry, and should have caught a third if Brock Purdy had stayed on his feet for a half second longer. If Chris Jones and that defense could just get out of would just give him that one half second, you you would not be on the show right now because you'd be on a way on the way to Maui or something like that. Oh, that gone, easy. Like, oh, what's that? I'm retired and on my way to Bali for a year. See ya. Doing the podcast from a, a ocean overlook. Yeah. One hundred percent. And would you look at that? He has come out of retirement. The fifty cent bet that did win enough for the trip did not give him quite the retirement money after all. But <laughs> I think we're in agreement on that one. I think. Last year's, I think he was probably more efficient just because it was like, yeah, like five incompletions and it was the ultimate kill you by a thousand paper cuts. This one, I think, what, yeah, the, I think he had a little more built different down the stretch, but six and one and half a dozen the other. Like, either way, incredible performance as well. And as you mentioned, Juan Juan Jennings, fantastic performance, which makes you think maybe if they had a little more plan for Brandon Ayuk or looked his way a little bit more too, like maybe he just wasn't open. Maybe I missed it, but I feel like there's a few, it just felt like there was not a concerted effort to target him. It felt like, the play always seemed to start with Brock looking at Debo and which is smart game plan it for him, not taking anything away. I just, this felt more like a Brandon IU game, I guess. And we kind of talked about that a little before too. Like it's, I, I don't know. It's hindsight's 2020. Maybe they did have it. I don't know. We do. I'm not in that room, so I won't speculate too much as well, but I will just say I, I that was kind of what I expected, but that for the Super Bowl uh, is in the books. And we are now, now we just got to wait a basically full another year to do it again. But that doesn't mean one thing and one thing only right now. NFL draft season is officially underway, and you, there's no other place you want to be when it comes to talking about that. All the things we have coming forward starting towards the end of the month and with the NFL combine, so you'll definitely want to be here for that as we track who some people might want to say is the next Patrick Mahomes. We both disagree with that, but there might be another Patrick Mahomes-type player in this draft, but it might not be who you think. We'll have to wait and see. There's only time will tell, but that's going to do it here for the tip-off, and that's going to take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show, that is the main event. And for the main event, we did we already kind of touched on the Super Bowl. We're gonna go into the basketball now. And you know what? We're at about the midseason mark with the all-star break. So we're gonna start handing out a little bit of hardware as well, too. And maybe throwing a little bit of twist in there as well, too, for feeling feeling up for it. But Roars, we're gonna go over today. We're gonna do MVP, defense player of the year, rookie of the year, and coach of the year. And you know what, Kelsey? I'll go ahead and run through mine first, and then you could tell me how much you hate all of them at the back end of it as well. So I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Coach of the year, we're heading to Minnesota at the top of the West. I'm going to give it to Chris Finch. You, you're the top of the West. Anthony Anthony Edwards looks like a top 23 player in the NBA. Carl Anthony Towns looks like a top 23 NBA player. Rudy Gobert is a leading candidate for defense player of the year. 
They look absolutely incredible. Weirdly enough, Anthony Edwards has more three-pointers through his first four seasons than Steph Curry did through his first four seasons. Interesting stat. That means nothing considering Steph's first four seasons, his ankles were a little bit shaky, and he shot a little bit. I don't think he shot as many of them, but it's a weird stat to look at when you considering we think of Anthony Edwards as defying gravity more often than not. But incredible job by Finch there in Minnesota. Rookie of the year. It, it's technically Chet Holgram, but I'm not counting him as a rookie because he's not a rookie. So I'm giving it to Victor Wembanyama. He just had a triple double with blocks, and I, you know what I, I think we all he was the what was it like negative one thousand odds to be rookie of the year or something like that. So it's not really surprising, but maybe surprising at how he's doing it. I'm gonna I'm giving it to Victor. I don't I know Chet's right there, and I know he's technically considered a rookie, but I refuse to accept that he's not a rookie. So we're going with Victor Wembanyama for rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. This one's tough. I'm going to go to up to my old neck of the woods, too. I'm going to look at Jarrett Allen. I think especially with Evan Mobley being banged up, Jarrett Allen has been fantastic, manning the paint for the Cavaliers, who quietly have won like 20 of 22 games or something ridiculous like that with the injuries they've gone through, in part because of him and Donovan Mitchell have been absolutely electric. Donovan Mitchell offensively. Jarrett Allen defensively, that fro, that that. But if you know about the fro, you know, and it's been it's locked up the entire paint. It has changed that team. And with Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, everyone's starting to come back. I think that's going to be a team to watch out for in the Eastern Conference as they get going down the stretch, in large part because of Jared Allen defensively. MVP, this one's last year was the two horse race between Jokic and Embiid, it felt like with Giannis kind of right there. This year, I kind of feel like it is the same thing. I think it's Giannis just kind of on the outside. Is Jokic is right there, but I'm going to go with Shea Gilchrist Alexander for right now. I'm going to give it to him for MVP. That team is, I believe, third in the West right now. Actually, they're second, if I'm not mistaken. They actually just climbed up to tied for second. He is has more 30-point games in the NBA than anybody by almost eight, I think it is. I think Luca or someone has like 30, 30 31. I think he's like 37, something just ridiculous like that. He's averaging, I believe, north of 30 points a game as well, too. He has been absolutely sensational, picking up where he really took off the last two years. And how how funny is it that when it came to um, when it comes to basketball trades, it's normally do you either get the player or you get the haul. And a lot of times, the player, the the team who gets the player, ends up getting the better end of the deal. Weirdly enough, Oklahoma City got both when they traded for traded Paul George to the to the Clippers. And that's not an insult to Paul George; it's how good shape Gilchrist Alexander has been to the point where they got the leading scorer in the NBA. Sorry, I guess he is technically 30s behind Luca and Joel at 31 points per game. Who's leading the team? And they still they have that deep, they have a deep young team. They've been they flipped around. So I'm gonna give it to Shake Gilchrist Alexander. If someone's gonna tell me Nikola Jokic, I'm not going to argue, but I'm gonna go ahead and uh I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Shake Gilchrist Alexander. So recapping the midseason awards I'm looking at right now. Coach of the year, I got Chris Finch in Minnesota. Rookie of the year, I got Victor Wembenyama. Defensive player of the year, I'm looking at Jared Allen in Cleveland. And MVP, we're going to give it to Shea Gilchrist-Alexander out of Oklahoma City. So all of them this Valentine's Day, hopefully they're celebrating properly. A box of chocolates, a rose, head coach buys them a steak dinner, or in the head coach's cage, maybe a give, maybe the entire team buys them one. So that's what we're looking at for awards. I think it's a little – I think for the most part, I pretty set, I don't think I took too many favorites in here, maybe one or two, but I think, you know, it's a pretty balanced look. And this year's awards, I think they were kind of open. I don't think anyone's running away with anything besides – Victor should be running away with rookie of the year, but Chet Holgram's been sensational and they're counting him as a rookie. So I'm going to throw my hissy fit about that differently. But in theory, I think a lot of these awards are wide open. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't actually have any complaints about your awards. Um, well, what fun is that? You're supposed to tell me I'm an idiot. Like, this is what we're here for. I, 
I mean, the only one I don't like is Jared Allen. And that's just because I have different opinions on who's defensive player of the year this year. I have a top two, and I was surprised you didn't take the top two. I had the one of the top two. Uh, but yeah, I, we'll get to that in a second. But every other pick, I mean, those were in my considerations for top two. I always make sure to pick two now, so that way you have one and I can take the other, but it, just in case. I never know what's about to happen. Um, hate doing the same thing. You know, we, we can't... It's like when you're sitting at a table and somebody orders the same meal as you, you have to change your meal to your backup option. That's what I feel like sometimes when we do these midseason awards. So every single time, doing. every single time. That's why when I, whenever they're like, are you guys ready? Or it's like, no, no, I need a few more minutes. I know what I'm getting, but I need my backup option just in case. Like, cause I, I already, as soon as I say I'm ready and then I'm like, well, on second thought, I need a few more minutes. So we, or make it two. But, exactly. Yeah, so, you, you know, I, I like it. So I, I'm curious to see where you go. If you pick Chad Homer from rookie of the year, I might eye roll a little bit, but I'll let you go ahead. No, no, no. We'll we'll get to that in a second. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna start with coach of the year. Um, you know, I did I do like what the Wolves are doing, uh what Timberwolves are doing. Um I yeah, you joked and said the twenty third best players and look at, at times he looks like the top ten player, at times he looks like a top forty player. But for the whole of the season, I mean if you average that out, you're top twenty player. Um if anybody knows what this is about, I have constantly said Ann Edwards will not make a top twenty player in the league until that team figures out what to do with the big men. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They have figured out what to do with the big men. So, but that's not my coach of the year pick. But I do want to give their give the roses where they're due. And Jared can never give me a hassle about that again. Mm-hmm. Until the next time I'm on a show and I said the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna go actually, I'm gonna stay Midwest. This will go to the Eastern Conference here. I'm gonna go to the Cavs. I'm going JB Bickerstaff. I feel like this is kind of like a broken record. I feel like JB Bickerstaff has done a great job coaching this team for many years in a row. But I think this year specifically, two players in specific, specifically for this team are have missed half of the season. Talk about Evan Mobley. Talk about Darius Garland. You talked about it when you talked about Jared Allen being your defensive player of the year. You take those two out. They have only had seven other players play over 40 games this season. Of those players, names like Dean Wade, George Niang, and Max Strews and Isaac Okoro. I'm sorry. Those four aren't going to give you uh, the most offense you can imagine. Max Struess will give you some some three-point shooting, Niang the same thing. But if they're not giving you defense, uh, Dean Wade give you a couple three-pointers here and there. Thank goodness for Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and none other than Donovan Mitchell. Because <laughs> otherwise, JV, I don't know what you'd be doing, but right, he was able to coach with these three in, in mind in the center of his game plan. I feel like what he's been doing, putting them second in the East right now, it's 35 and 17 on the season, uh, 52 games they've played. It's, it's kind of insane that they're still sitting here afloat the top, afloat the, the East with one of the best young point guards in the league and one of the best power forwards in the league not playing. I'm going to add on top of that, too, is a lot of people were calling for him for his head at the end of last year after that embarrassing loss to the Knicks and early in the season when they were like, what was it, two and six or something like that? Like they came out really, really rough when Mitchell was banged up, too with all those other guys, they were calling for his head and trying to get a new coach. And uh, you mentioned he's right there in the coach of the year. And I won't spoil your MVP bit, but I think there is a potential MVP on that team as well to someone in that consideration. I don't know if it's who you're picking, but I do think, all right, then I will say, I can feel comfortable saying that Spider Mitchell deserves, Spider Mitchell deserves to be in that conversation. Not one or two, maybe, but three through five, it's open enough. I think he's got to be in that conversation. Yeah, I agree. I think he's had a great year. And depending on what happens, I say like, depending on what happens one through three, if if Mitchell continues to do this when Garland comes back and Mobley comes back, as they're starting to do now, I mean, I, you look at that and it's like, 
Man, okay. He was on, uh, you mentioned the 22 out of the last 23. I mean, that's kind of an insane thing to think about when just in the grand scheme of the ba- of, of how basketball works. I mean, let's not forget the best record ever still had 10 losses in 82 games. Technically, they had nine. Sorry, but- nine. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Nine losses in in in, in the best. I'm, I'm, I was thinking of the the the, the, uh, the, the Bulls. The ones with the ring, yes. <laughs> Not the uh, 73 and 9 Warriors. But, yeah, I mean, also I'm going to, uh, yeah, just I'll end it there. I, I'm going to go J.B. Staff for my coach of the year. Uh, defensive player of the year. I was surprised you didn't take really either one of these. Um, but I'm continuing to bang the bang the drum on this guy, being a defensive stalwart now that he's in L.A. Um, I, I think Anthony Davis is my defensive player of the year right now. Nothing against anybody else on this list. I just think what he's been able to do this season, he is really defensively, he is that guy. He's finally taken over as that dude defensively for this Lakers team. Um, you know, you always had concerns of like, oh, well, he's matching up against this guy. They're still going to score 40, especially like you look at Jokic. He matches up there all the time, and nobody really stops Jokic, but at least you can slow him down, right? Um, but no, I mean, and is as good as he is offensively, he was, he's been equally as good defensively this year. Um, so I'm going Ant here with my defensive player of the year. I do also want to shout out OG Ananobi. Um, he is my number two for defense player of the year. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. I was surprised you didn't take either one because uh, I felt like Ananobi was your was your dark horse pick here. I He's in the top four for me as well, too. I I have no arguments with Anthony Davis. I got, weirdly enough, people say he's injured all the time, but he's played like he's played like 85% of the games. Like He's played more than Anthony Edwards, for example, too, and that's not a shot to either one. He's been, he's been banged up, but he has been out there, and he has been a force when he's been out there. I maybe – I have no arguments with it. Neither one has picked Rudy Gobert, who right now is the odds-on favorite, and it's not even anything against Rudy Gobert. I just like what these other guys are doing. I think the, he's part of the system with the Wolves, and he's been leading their defensive charge. No, nothing negative on Rudy Gobert whatsoever. I just I like what Allen's doing in Cleveland. I like what Anthony Davis is doing too, considering that is not a well-oiled machine in LA. He is picking up a lot of slack there defensively. And Jared Allen, we already talked about that CVS receipt of injuries they're going through, and most of it being key players he's picking up for. So. I think we're we have like the same top four, we just different order, different priority. But I know what arguments with OG Davis or Anthony Ananubi here. Yeah, I mean, I honestly anybody you just mentioned, I'm okay with. Uh, again, Jared Allen may be the one. I'm like, eh, maybe not, but I I understand the reasoning of picking him there. Um, I do want to say this about Ant. You mentioned his injuries. 51 games out of their 55 played, he has played in 51. So only missed four games this season. Not a bad situation at all. Not um, even a little bit, especially for a big man. Yeah, not at all. Especially for a guy who. In his career, yeah, okay, you can say is nickel and dimed his way through some injuries. Perpetually broken, yeah, that you'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> exactly. So that's going to take me over to Rookie of the Year. I can't argue with your pick. I'm taking Wemby in this one as well. Uh, it was the triple-double that sealed it for me. A triple-double is impressive again already, but a triple-double with blocks, that's historic. <laughs> that's up there with just, that's a freak of nature. Don't get me wrong, we all know he's a freak of nature. Seven foot two, doing the things he does. Insane. Hold on now. He's seven four. Sorry, I He's know. I don't want to give him full freakish credit. I'm trying to be like, <laughs> oh no, it's still a normal-ish NBA size for a center. No, the dude's a freak. He's a seven four monster. Um, Sixteen. Kendrick Lamar does is not a, is not something to be humble right now. You can let it all out. <laughs> no, nah, he's the he's 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 a stud. Uh, but yeah, it's the blocks, man. That that was absolutely an insane performance to watch. Killed my bets. Honestly, that in that game, um, he single-handedly killed my 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 parlay. Uh, one of two teams to lose that night. That night, the other ones shouldn't have lost either. Uh, I digress. 
But look, you you got to give credit where credit is due. We all known when Wemby was a talent since he was 16 years old. Well, now we're seeing what still very young Juan Minyama can do against a whole bunch of grown men. And just imagine, I've said this, I said this about Giannis early in his career when Giannis was like, eh, man, maybe he's not so great. He shows flashes. And then Jason Kidd came out and was like, he's going to be my point guard. And that was the moment you're like, uh, what's going to happen here? But then you started seeing flashes and you're like, man, if he puts on muscle, nigh unstoppable. Wemby puts on muscle to that mass. Mm, I don't want to defend him. I don't want to defend him now, but I really don't want to defend him then. I mean, like, that'd be terrifying. So, yeah, I'm going to just say Wemby, rookie of the year. Don't be surprised if in within five seasons we're talking Wemby for MVP conversations. I'll, I'll say, wait, don't be surprised if he does it within three years, honestly. like the only, he, Right now, he's still got that child's body, too. I mean, he's 18 years old. Like, when I was 18 years old, yeah, I'm not even going to – I couldn't even put on weight if you attached an anvil to my ass. Like, I can sure. imagine what he's saying. I'm giving him two years to get weight, a year to get used to the weight, and then that fourth year to start dominating. And then, That's obviously, good. there's – okay, he's dominating, but, like, mm-hmm. we can't give him MVP in the first year he's dominating bull crap. So, give him the fifth year for it. It's crazy is once he gets that just natural, like as you get older, grown man body, for lack of better words, in addition to the professional athlete weight room and weight, like that could be a dangerous man. And I'm going to throw in Chet on there as well, too, as much as he's not available for rookie of the year. Nurse, those two going at if they once they both get their grown man bodies, assuming they're not slender man stream beans the entire time, looking at those two dueling at 25 until they're like 35, like we're in for a treat. I think like I, the age of big men was quote unquote dead. I think it's kind of getting revitalized right now, even though they don't play like big men. Quote unquote, say, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird bunch of big men. They're, they're, they're big in body, but small in spirit. And I don't mean yeah. that as a derogatory thing. I mean, they play small for big guys. They're, they're big men that don't play in big man blocks necessarily, yeah. unless they have a point guard on them. But like at the same way, it's, it's funny how nature sometimes can go full circle. And you know what? Maybe somehow with them being so freakish, them getting bigger, they end up playing on the post and the post comes back in like 20, 28. Our dreams could come true. Maybe the post play is back and ideally around the corner, or at least mid Like, give me, give me some Hakeem Olajuwon mid range to go with it. Something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, and to be clear, you did mention, you did say this. I just want to correct this one thing. Chet is eligible for rookie of the year. He's not our rookie of the year, though. So. He's not eligible. Not Ben Simmonsing this rookie of the year. I'm sorry. He can have comeback player of the year. I will. That can happen. Fine. Whatever. Even though he can't really come back from not playing, but I'll do that over rookie of the year. Damn it. Yeah, so, um, but that'll take me to MVP, and while I don't disagree with your SGA pick, he was my number two here, uh, I am going with Joel Embiid. I'm sorry, I'm picking low-hanging fruit. Go figure, I'm going to go low-hanging fruit. I know, I know, I'm picking a guy who, what, how long is he missing? Uh, I think like another month or so. Yeah, still averaging 35.5 points per game, though. Still giving you 11.3 rebounds per game. Oh, and by the way, as a big man, over five assists. So, I yeah, the injury aside, best performer up until this point, I'm going Embiid. Interesting. I will say it actually is looking like he might be out a little bit longer. They're saying they're hopeful he will be back for a playoff run, so he might be done for a little bit longer, but... As of right now, like you, as you mentioned, those numbers 36 and 12 or something absolutely ridiculous. Like You're rounding up your yeah, with those numbers, like as of right now, we're handing out the award today with 53% from the field on top of it. Yeah, it's not a whole lot of argument to be made there as well against him as well. He's right there in the thick of it. It's it's a shame that he, that he went down because I feel like him 
him, SGA, Jokic, Giannis, like that was going to be a very electric run down the stretch too. Whether you're favoring like numbers, eye test, advanced analytics, like they all, they all versatility, they all different ways that kind of vote for them. And I think that would have been incredible to watch down the stretch. But go ahead, and give everyone a quick recap now of what we're looking at for Kelsey's midseason NBA awards. Yeah. Now, be very clear, it is midseason awards, so it's up to this point how their performance goes. And I'm going to say that when I say this. So I got JB Bickerstaff for coach of the year. For my defense player of the year, Anthony Davis. My rookie of the year, no surprise, Victor Wambanyama. And for my MVP, Joel Embiid for his first half performance. Absolutely. And I think anyone who looks at it, too, it's hard to make a case against him. Because if I'm not mistaken, he was the favorite up until he got hurt. If not, he's in the top two as him and Jokic again, as it always has been the last 40 years, it feels like. But you definitely can't argue with those ones too much as well, too. Let us know down in the comments below what you all are thinking for your midseason awards and which who do you think anyone might make a splash in the second half? Maybe someone's not on our radar that could come surging. Maybe Donovan Mitchell, who is on the radar, but maybe he has a surging second half. So something we'll want to keep an eye out as well, too. We'll pass on Cupid's arrows, too. So. Kelsey, uh, Cupid's arrows, huh? What are we thinking here? Yeah, so this is my, it's Valentine's Day. So, by the way, everybody, happy Valentine's Day. Um, if you celebrate, if you don't, happy, happy Valentine's day. day. Yeah, happy sad day. I mean, take mm-hmm. your pick. Um, but no, I, I think, yeah, Galentine's, whatever you want to call it. Rowan times. Um, no, my Cupid's arrow, plain and simple. This is a guy in the first half, player in the NBA that has impressed me, who I think is up for some kind of award at the end of the season whether it be MVP, whether it be comeback player of the year, whether it be most proof player. This is my Cupid's arrow. This is my darling of the first half, if you will. And this might not surprise anybody considering how much I have been talking about this dude and how much his his trade has hurt my heart. <laughs> but from a hurt heart to an open, happy heart, I'm giving my Cupid's arrow to Tyrese Halliburton. Um, the dude has been, had an absolutely fantastic first half. Uh, some people calling him the clutch player of the year, whether it's that that's an award, it mm. should be. And then if so, yes. Uh, I'll also say he might be the best at delivering dimes this year. Um, <laughs> best young point guard in the game. And I'm saying that knowing full well, I'm leaving De'Aaron Fox out of this conversation. <laughs> uh, and it hurts me to say it, but what with Tyrese running point, that Pacers team has been insane. Uh, their performance top to bottom. They're, I mean, because of their players' performance, their coach is up for coach of the year conversation type of thing. And it's, I'm not taking anything away from the coaching staff, but you got to you got to admit that the players on the court are playing way too good right now for what you'd expect. And led, leading that is Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I mean, yes, the All Star Game's gonna be in Indy, so maybe he's you know mm-hmm. showcasing to to be the hometown hero here. I don't care what the reason is. The dude's been an absolute stud. He's up for something at the end of the year. I don't know what it's going to be. Take your pick of awards. He deserves something or at least a conversation for something. Second team, all NBA. That's absolutely fine. Third team, all NBA. Okay. Don't like it, but he probably should be second. But if he keeps his performance up all season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him top five in the MVP conversation. He shouldn't be very far out of the conversation as it is now, but people are going to forget about him because he's an indie. So that's my Cupid's arrow. That's, that's who I'm giving him to. A well-deserved QP zero. We were both pretty high on the Pacers, surprisingly. We both unintentionally, that was our both of our surprise picks for the East, too. So a well-deserved QP zero. Halliburton's been hella fantastic. It's been absolutely great. For me, my QP zero, I'm going to stay in the Eastern Conference. I want to pull out of the quiver and let it fly. We're talking about heart in this one, too. No pun intended there. It's not the size of the dog. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And with that, I'm going to go to New York, and I'm going to look at our good friend Max's, very, arguably his favorite player that's not on the Bulls. I'm going to go with Jalen Brunson. 
who is single-handedly putting the and I'm saying single-handedly with the way he has been playing for the last especially two months has the Knicks in I believe the fourth seed in the East as well. Absolutely sensational, averaging I think it was at 28 points a game, something along those lines. Like he's been absolutely incredible, and it's not like he's a smaller player who's doing it like nailing 50 foot three point shots. He is getting in that mid range, pivoting, pump faking four times, getting just the perfect angle with his left handed shot and putting it up over defenders. He's running the offense. He's playing defense. He's he's on. He's been absolutely sensational. I know when the Mavericks let him go, a lot of people are like, "Oh no, he's the good compliment to Luca." But then they're looking at the Knicks like, "How can you give him that much money? He can't lead your team. Small guys can't win." He they, he's been absolutely incredible. He like Julius Randle was quote unquote their best guy a couple of years ago. He was like the the bus driver, for lack of better terms, Jalen Brunson is that bus driver, and Julius Randle is that complimentary piece, which there's nothing wrong with it because Jalen Brunson is there's a lot of people who'd be a complimentary piece to him. And it's 27 and a half points a game. Excuse me, I was a little bit, a little bit off there. And he's making like two and a half threes. So he's shooting about 40%, not too bad there. Assist wise, too, uh, six and a half. So pretty good. Four rebounds, too. So I'm going to give my Cupid arrow to Jalen Brunson. I think he's been absolutely sensational. And the Knicks, if they won a playoff series last year, and don't be surprised if they managed to pull one off this year too. Because they're the four. If they end up as a four or five seed. That's the one that no one really wants to deal with. Like if they're a five seed, nobody wants to be the four seed, and vice versa. Yeah. By the way, he is sitting at fifth in the odds-on favorites for MVP this year, Jalen Brunson, okay. and that's given the ankle injury he just suffered. He's been he's back. He's still playing with the ankle injury. By the way, he gave you thirty-nine off the ankle injury like three days later. So uh, forget ankles, I guess. Thanks, Jalen. Uh, but no, I think yeah, you're absolutely right. I think he's been fantastic. I, questioning his ability is blasphemous. I don't know what it is about NBA fans or NBA analysts. They look at smaller guys, especially smaller point guards with that kind of a thicker build, and they're like, mm, not a good NBA player. I'm, I'm sorry. He's an absolutely perfect definition of what you want from a point guard right now. He can score. He can dis- distribute. And he can play defense. He's not. We're not talking the best defender out here. But... Top 20 defender at his position, top 15 defender at his position, maybe top 10 defender at his position. Sure. The one thing he doesn't ever do, he's never a turnstile. Even when he gets beat, it's not like a lack of effort. It's just the other guy is that good. He is really, really good. He's been a winner in college and in the NBA now as well. He's he's sensational. I think his highlights are boring, if that makes sense. Like he's not dunking over people. He's not reining it in. He's fundamentally pump faking, pivoting, fighting just the perfect angle and hitting a mid range shot with a little bit of space or he's pulling or he's pulling up in the mid range. He's very, he's very, very boring for lack of better words for the new age, for the fans who watch the highlights on TikTok, Twitter stuff, which we sometimes do too. Not saying not, no yeah. shade. It's just when you watch him in the full game, it's like, Oh, he's nasty. I love this compared to when you see the highlights of other guys raining from half quarter dunking with elbow, dunking with their elbows and putting nuts on other people's heads. So, Jalen Brunson's sensational. And I I like Tyrese Halliburton because he's kind of in the same mold. He's just the flashy assist and those ridiculous threes to go on top of it with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tyrese has a little more flash, but I will say Jalen is the Tim Duncan of point guards. That's a good I, I, I'm not talking if anybody's like, oh, Tim Duncan's a great. Yes. Probably the greatest power forward to ever play the game. Not saying that. I'm saying in the style of play as being Mr. Fundamental, the most boring basketball player. Greg Popovich has ever seen Greg Popovich's words during the retirement ceremony. Uh, then, I mean, yeah, you got to give credit where credit's due. Jalen Brunson falls in that category, and and it's it's funny because yeah, he's just so simple, so effective. Knows how to use his body, which is an understated part of the game in the in the NBA today. You, you especially when we just went through that era of 
flopping for fouls. James Harden was the perfect example of that. Absolutely struggled as soon as that rule change came into effect. Jalen Brunson got better when that rule change came into effect. It's actually kind of crazy to think about. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree that, he, that that he should be up for something. And like I said, fifth best player right now in the NBA, according to odds analysts. Uh, well-deserved as well. Honestly, if you told if you put him in the conversation with Tim Duncan, he will gladly take that as well, too. And I'm sure, you know, Tim Duncan's probably like, yeah, that's cool. I like him. That's cool. Then, He's boring to that, watch. I want to watch him more. Exactly. I mean, do, anytime you're in the conversation with a top 10 all-time player, everyone's going to be happy with that. At least I would be in that. At least I consider him that high. But you know what? I digress, though. I digress. For those who know, they know. But that's going to do it here for the main event. And that's how I take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is, of course, Crunch Time. Brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash high low sports for a free seven-day trial to make some to bet smarter, not harder. See if you can win some money with some parlays or some separate bets of your own. See if you can be like Kelsey over there and reel in the big bucks. But mm. for crunch crunch times, uh, I'm gonna keep mine quick and simple. This Super Bowl weekend was a lot of fun for the most part. There was one thing that I felt was missing, and that was a Saturday night UFC event. Historically, throughout time. They usually like to put on a big fight card for that Saturday before the Super Bowl. When I was a kid, it was Anderson Silva v. Tor Belfort. A couple years ago, it was Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Makachev, a champion versus champion fight. A couple years before that, it was Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Obviously, it doesn't happen every year. It just felt kind of weird not having one this year and not having an event, period, not even like a fight night. They have an absolute ridiculous fight card this weekend. They waited till the Valentine's Day weekend to do that as well, too. So I guess they're trying to wrap up those Valentine's dates early so people can get home. I don't know what the thinking was, but just the one thing that's missing from Super Bowl Sunday is a late night of Saturday night fisticuffs. I think that they could have, obviously, venues, different things go into. You can't just snap your fingers and move. Well, they have done that before. But most of the time, you can't just snap your fingers and move and move a venue or move dates and stuff like that. But this would have been really nicely suited to like break in the Super Bowl weekend at the end of Saturday, going into Sunday with an absolutely ridiculous set of fights like they have coming up this weekend. So not a little bit of a problem, not really a problem. It's just like, oh man, I've grown accustomed to my ways and now they're not there anymore. So maybe next year they bring it back. Maybe next year is the year. You know, I I wondered about that because I you, obviously one of the big fight places they they usually go to is Vegas. Well, the Super Bowl was in Vegas. I almost wonder if Vegas licensing board was like. Mm, no, <laughs> that's that's not happening in the same weekend. We are not doing that. And I just wonder if that's the case, uh, just because obviously event halls, everything that's being used down there for different Super Bowl events. Um, I wonder if that's maybe the reason why, because you're right. I think this was something that was missing from the weekend there, and, and that was absolutely one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't wait for this weekend, though. Island. They built an island for fights. They will they find a way. <laughs> No, that is very true. Uh, look, I don't really have a whole big old spill here. Maybe I do. I don't know. Honestly, no. Um, the biggest thing, look, I, I guess, I don't know. The Super Bowl kind of showcased it a little bit. If you have a problem with some kind of network showing a fan, go buy a ticket and watch the game in person. Otherwise, shut up. I don't care if you're mad that Taylor Swift's being shown on TV. I don't care that you're mad that Beyonce is being shown on TV. I don't care that you're mad that Beyonce's daughter is being shown on TV. And you're like, who is that? I don't care. I don't care if you see a TikTok star and you're mad about that. If you're going to be mad about something, go be mad because your team's not in the Super Bowl. Stop talking about this whole situation with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and it being a big problem because it's not. If that's the biggest problem, 
with a, if that's your biggest problem with a sporting event, just don't watch it. Plain and simple. What about the announcers? Can we talk about the announcer problem? That's a problem. Can we talk about the referee problem? That's a problem. Can we talk about the fact that the cameraman can't seem to focus on the right play? Or what about the halftime show and the fact that for some reason, Chris Sims can't keep himself from looking at the producer and communicating with the producer in the broad shots on every broad shot. Can those be a problem? Because maybe those are a bigger problem than the fact that Taylor Swift gets shown for a total in the game of one minute and seven seconds of the Super Bowl. Mind you, a majority of that was the celebration at the end of the game with the touchdown to Miko Hardman. Stop. It's not. Why can't we just enjoy something for once? Can we not go back to the days of enjoying seeing a superstar in the arena supporting a sport? Can that not be a thing anymore? Does it have to be this or that? Like, come on, guys. Everybody can be a fan of something and another thing. Let it happen. It's okay. We're not gatekeeping this. This is not a gatekeeping sport. If you think football is a gatekeeping sport, man, do I have a bunch of ice to sell you in, in Alaska. Look, if a minute and seven seconds is considered a long time, then I got a lot of bragging to do for my for my previous life now as well. Too, there's a lot. I, I I'm feeling real comfortable with myself right now. If we're gonna go with that. And on top of that, too, that suite also has everybody's favorite Jason Kelsey in there. So of course they're gonna show that one on. If they did not be mad, I need to see the big Yeti overalls. Like there's the, the other American sweetheart and Kylie Kelsey. Like at this point in time, you if you say otherwise, I'm sorry you have not been watching TV lately or seeing anything on the web. No, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing more as far as that goes. That's just, it is what it is. Uh, by the way, if you want to see some funny conversation about Super Bowl stuff, uh, you should check out our Tier Tuesdays this last week. Uh, we dropped the funniest or weirdest stories to come out of, the top 10 weirdest stories to come out of Super Bowl week. A uh, lot of hilarity there. Just some weird stories that have come out over the, what, 58 Super Bowls we've had. And we are not at a shortage for weird stuff going with any of them as well. So go check that out on the YouTube page. Once again, we appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening or listening to us on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts as well. It's always a pleasure to hang out and talk sports with you all. We got a lot of good stuff coming up in the oncoming months and really for as long as we both are able to speak. We like to have a lot of fun here. Let us know in the comments below if there's anything else you want us to touch base on or what you think about our MVP midseason, midseason awards list as well too. And we will see you all again next week.